Sometimes you're flush and sometimes you're bust. And when you're up, it's never as good as it seems. And when you're down, you never think you're going to be up again. But life goes on. Remember that. Money isn't real, George. It doesn't matter. It only seems like it does. I have to edit all those booyahs down, like bring it down a little bit. You blow out some speakers and some cars out there. Better me than someone else. They get all scared when they're driving. It's all good. It's all good. Welcome to another episode of Staying in Trouble. I'm Adam Short. I'm Eric Humes. Yes. Nice to be back in the studio again. It is great. It's a glorious day. Beautiful. Loving it. We all have our masks on today. (laughs) <laughs> so is there a is there a filter to add the mask on later yeah it's right here Ooh. so, <laughs> so hey, what'd you do for fourth of july uh we were at the utah office enjoying the beautiful weather the uh great things that we have to offer we did some kayaking hiking we did uh, uh what else did we do we did uh yeah a lot of is there any fishing up there there is fishing up there, but the fishing licenses aren't cheap, and so I usually just wait for the free fishing, uh, free fishing day. Oh, yeah, that works out. Yeah. So, I've taught uh, some of our guests how to fish here in the office. Oh yeah. Yeah, we have our one or two of our regular guests today. For those of our listeners are probably getting accustomed to Jen Mitchell and Josh Silito coming in to give us some regular updates. Welcome, guys. Yeah, glad to be here. Hi. Glad, <laughs> glad to get some new, per, get some consistent perspective. I don't know what it is, dude. I cannot hear you very well. Yeah. Dude. It's not me. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also looking at it on the computer, and I'm trying to get it right. Okay. You got a lot of work to do in life. So. I do it so much. All right. Let's go there. Is that better? He's now kissing know, the man. mic. Yeah, I'm kissing the Yeah, I'm fine. It's you. It's not hey, me. Dude, it's you. Why is it? I don't know. Let's move forward. All right. Let's go like that. Let's go like that. All right. Josh Silito. Yes. Hey, welcome. Hey, glad to be back. Dude, we're, we're super grateful that you're back. I'm actually surprised that you guys keep inviting me back. So, Well, you know, it's, sometimes it's not just us. Our listeners enjoy hearing you and the advice you give. And as you can tell, we, we've had Josh Silito in the studio before talking about all kinds of things. I guess we got some new questions for him and things that are happening that are in the world today and we kind of talked a little bit before the show and jen mitchell here in the studio uh she definitely has some strong opinions on what i'm going to ask but something that i thought would be cool to to get into is about a week ago the governor kind of mandated uh wearing mask uh throughout the you know if you're going to go out in the public and stuff like that and a lot of people that there's two sides to this and it's amazing how we can just make these masks kind of a, a political statement or where you stand in life. You know, uh, you hear people saying that this is an infringement on my, my freedoms. And, you know, if I don't want to wear one, I should, if you want to wear one, you have every right to wear one. But, uh, the question I, I kind of had for you is psychologically, is this kind of messing messing with people, you know, wearing these masks. I mean, I think it, what you said last time was so profound, I thought, was that we, are, we shouldn't be using the phrase social distancing. We should be using the phrase physical distancing and that we need to be more social than ever. 
I think the mask is another barrier of that social interaction. What do you think, Josh? Yes, yes. Uh, a few thoughts that I have. Um, one is, yes, we need more of that social interaction now than ever before. Think about it this way. If someone is diagnosed with an illness anxiety disorder, which in the past maybe they were known as a hypochondriac, um, think about how maybe that's affecting someone now that their fears are being realized. So for them, like this is very, this is an extremely difficult time. They're feeling more anxiety. Maybe they're experiencing some panic attacks because everything that they were told that they were worried about wasn't true. Mm -hmm. But now we're all wearing these masks and there is a virus, a pandemic that is affecting people. And so for certain groups of people, this is having a different impact. Um, for someone who is healthy, who uh, doesn't have any medical conditions, uh, this is maybe seen as a, a nuisance, or um, maybe it's seen as like an infringement upon their liberties and freedoms. That gets into more of a political political area that I'm not, I, at least right now, I'm not going to talk about because I, that's not my field at all. Um, but from a psychological point of view, it's affecting people differently. And one of the things that we had kind of briefly talked about before even mentioning on here is how do we have human connection? And, yeah. and are the masks affecting that? And I kind of want to hear some of your thoughts on well, how I'm, that's impacting. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pro buying Xanax, uh, <laughs> stock ticker XNX. Um, I'm buying it in mass quantities. So <laughs> I, I see the demand for Xanax going up. So um, there's our next shortage. We had toilet paper because yeah, everyone now. was thinking the same thing. <laughs> now there's going to be a bunch of Xanax buyers. Uh, it, it, it's a rough, rough line because I, I've been in social situations where, you know, I walk in, we're wearing a mask. Uh, I was kidding with my uh, wife last week. You know, I wanted to create a meme. So if anyone wants to do this, Jen, um, <laughs> you know, you, you take what a, a, a bad guy is, right? From the 1800s, from the you know wild westerns, right? They're masked up, right? And in order to be a good global citizen in 2020, you better be masked <laughs> up. And it's funny that that same person. So, you know, you know, you take away 100 years, you know, we're no longer on horseback is, you know, what used to be you know, completely normal a hundred years ago, you know, we turned into a villain and now that villain is the model for our good global citizenship. And I think that's a lot of, uh, what's going on as well is there's the fighting ideologies of nationalism versus globalism. And it's actually finally washed up on our shores, to be honest with you, because if you've talked to people outside of the country for many, many years, they've been feeling the influence of the United States for probably their whole life. And whether it's good, bad or indifferent, they've been feeling our influence in their culture. And now you're starting to see some of our culture kind of get the title. The wave is coming back to us. And and the mask is a small it is really a small issue, but it's along those same lines is. And then you look at some of the lines. So Brazil is battling the pandemic very poorly. 
and it's very rarely stated in the news. Um, it's very, it's always about us, right? I sometimes I feel like we are the narcissistic child, and we're only hearing us, 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 us. And I think about, you know, uh, you know, I, I think about ourselves kind of in that childish way, like, okay, if we're the child, how, and we're, you know, someone's being the parent, like, what child do we sound like? Do we sound like the child that's like, you know what, mom and dad, I really appreciate your opinion, and I can understand where you're coming from. Or are we the teenage kid that's like, you know what? My mom and dad are stupid. I have no idea why they're saying that. Like, I cannot wait to prove them wrong, right? Or are we that sweet child that goes, you know what? My mom and dad are perfect in every way. And you know what? I can't wait. You know what? Let I don't go got on. any of those in my house. <laughs> well, when you're home, you don't. But when you leave, Shelly's like, oh, these kids are perfect. So. Yeah. So, Jen, you're a mother of uh, two boys. Yep. And uh, the last time we had you on the show, you you really broke down the kind of uh, the importance that you have for a good diet, healthy living, especially that you're trying to put this on your on your kids. One thing I noticed with this whole mass thing, the one thing they're not talking about is the best way to fight this virus is exercise, healthy living. Mm -hmm. What are you doing in your home to kind of... So we, Fight live a, this we live a pretty healthy lifestyle. Um, Already, right? Yeah, the kids are really healthy. They're not obese. They're, you know, pretty lean. And uh, they've been working out. They, they do exercise every day. I exercise every single day. Um, they don't like to wear your, the mask. What about your husband, though? Your husband is more like my body style. Um, he's... He's uh, doing his thing. He, you know, when the pandemic hit, he had lost 20 pounds and he couldn't go to the gym anymore. So then his eating started to fall off because he's like, what's the point? Like, if I can't work out, why should I eat like this if I can just eat whatever I want? And I think that's a hard hurdle. <laughs> a a lot of people were like that where they were on track to have better goals and better uh, physical improvement. And then, boom, pandemic hits. Yeah, it was a struggle and it still is because now the gym is open but it's open he's at work during those hours so he can't go to the gym so he's like you know he could go on the weekends but he's like what's two days and i'm like eh, to me two days is better than no days but if that's what he chooses then that's what he chooses so sounds like you need to switch gym memberships <laughs> yeah lvac is up and running <laughs> i love them and they're just so busy uh, but not, speaking about villain, not at four in the morning they're not busy speaking about villain i feel like a criminal when i go to the bank and i have to put this mask on i'm like yeah. suited up ready to go like oh man it feels so awkward walking into the bank i'm like it just doesn't feel right like i feel like i'm doing something wrong so your boys don't like wearing the mask no they say when they wear um like the ones that loop around the ears they feel like they can't really breathe so we do a lot of like riding um outdoor stuff so they're used to uh using like the sock masks and they're a little thinner so um that's what i have my boys wear i just you know when school starts i can't imagine these little kids wearing masks like they're gonna smack each other in the face with them they're gonna play with them they're gonna oh yeah it's gonna be kind of crazy like to see how they do um they're going to constantly be touching their face and, they, and you know, we're told not to touch our face, but it makes you touch your face more. 
and how important it is to keep those things washed, especially with little kids. Yeah, you're, you know, they're constantly touching it. Their friends are probably going to touch it. Oh, yours is cool. Look, it has so-and-so on it. It's got this and mine's got this. Oh, look at what mine can do. They're yeah. totally going to. And next thing you know, they're switching masks and they're sharing yeah. masks. And then they're they're going to be German infested. Dude, like, this is going to get out of control. So, so going back to those people, Josh, that you outlined who, you know, you, you know, had high anxiety or some anxiety before you know the hot topic this week is what the school district is going to do and the reports are saying hey either the kids can go two days a week or possibly the kids go completely online and i just see the stress levels for parents right now being off the roof like through the roof the uncertainty going back to now let's not make a run on xanax right now <laughs> i'm buying Everyone can buy next week. Is <laughs> or come to Eric's house. <laughs> yeah, but that's what uh, I foresee right now. I just every household that I've talked to, that's like one of the top subjects. What are we gonna do for teachers? They're like, we have no idea what's going on. So whether you're employed as a teacher or like even if you're employed somewhere else, they're talking about even the logistics of that, which can send people into a tailspin. Can you give like some of our listeners like give them some ways, maybe like three ways to help ground in this? Because right now everyone's like, Jumanji, Jumanji, Jumanji. Mm -hmm. They're like, Rhino coming through my front door any right. day now. <laughs> this is new territory for all of us. Um, this is a new experience. And we're trying to take the best medical advice. And I'm assuming that that's what's going on with those who are making decisions for your kids, for our kids. And, um, we go back to the stupid parent in it, that sentence. right yeah. there. <laughs> There's, there's that word uncertainty. That's funny that it, it comes up again because that's what we first started talking about when I first came on to your podcast is that idea of uncertainty and how do you find some sort of security in the midst of uncertainty? You have to first go with what you know and what is most meaningful and important to you. You have to start anchoring there and then you build off of that. So then it's like, well, what does that look like for a parent who is trying to plan ahead? You know, I have my job, I have these things going on. And what if my kids are are home and I have to end up helping them do their homework and they're doing this online thing. And how is that going to play out? Um, that's a difficult question. But one thing that I would say is our mind is a cut is accustomed to doing endless amounts of worst case scenarios. And then we live it experientially in the moment through anxiety through stress, through fear, all of those things. So one is, I think let's live in the moment a little bit more. So let's enjoy the time that we have now. The thing is, is that if you play out the worst case scenario, but you don't do it vaguely, but you actually play it through, you actually might find some answers and some solutions. When you get into the endless amounts of worst case scenarios, then that's all it is, is ruminating, worrying, worrying solved zero problems. And, and so us being able to actually have 
maybe a plan if this happens or if this happens, two plans, maybe we can go with that. That might help us calm down a little bit more. It won't cover everything, mm-hmm. but it will at least get us to hold on to something. I think a lot of that worry comes from our media today spinning all of this information and we just don't even know what to believe anymore. Mm-hmm. So that sparks, I think that sparks a lot of the worry that people are experiencing uh, or those thoughts of worst case scenario. You read articles online or you, you do this and, and you just don't know what to, what to even believe anymore. They're all saying, you know, these masks are the best ways. But then when you talk to people, they struggle breathing in them or they, that social interaction is cut out because half of your face is covered. You know, there's something about that human to human connection. When you talk to someone and you're sitting in the same room and then now we move to more zoom meetings and things like that, it's cutting a lot of that out. So trying to live in that moment, that's fantastic advice. I just want to piggyback on that. So this is a a text message that my brother-in-law Benchma sent to me and he, talked about that same issue he was reading a book called the obstacle is the way and it lists all the companies oh do you know the book josh of course you do he's a master he's a ninja (laughs) is it lists all these companies have you guys heard of costco fedex like all these companies that were created during depressions or recessions and that are super successful and one of the lines he underlined was it talks about in one of the chapters is living in the moment like we were having, Ben and I were having this whole discussion actually last week. He's like, Eric, you do really well to live in the moment. And um, it I says, would agree with that strongly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little too much sometimes, but yeah. we, that, that's what helps us be more in the moment. You're very so good at adapting that. to what's happening. Yeah. Like I, so, so for a lot of people who actually know, know me or like, you know, like in this case, my brother-in-law or you know, my, my, you know, my assistants, I like to call them assistants or my staff, they know what I actually do on a daily basis. And they're like, yeah, Eric, your life is chaotic. Like most days, I don't know what I'm going to do today before I wake up. But you do better in the chaos. Like where most people freak out, you're like, this is great. This is awesome. Throw something else at me. Yeah. Not for me. And, And, you know, that's why I kid people and say, I'm actually a horrible employee because waking up every day. So my mom was a great employee. She worked for the county for 30 years. They actually had to push her out the door and she would get to work 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes early and she would leave 10 or 15 minutes late. And to me, I get, I get paid for my time. So for me, I'd rather show up 10 minutes late stay 10 minutes and call it even or you know what sometimes i put in extra value today so i'm probably gonna leave early today because i deserve it (laughs) like i never (laughs) didn't feel i see more value instead of you know what you're clocking in clocking out that was never a value system for me personally but going back to living in the moment he says he says then we wonder why we don't have the energy to actually deal with our problems is we get ourselves so worked up and intimidated because of the overthinking that if we just gotten to work, we'd probably be done already. And there's there's hundreds of books we've read, like Where's Your Cheese? Or, you know, what, what are you trying to go after today? And 
living in the moment talks about what can I do? What can I do to get it done right now? And so as I'm listening to you, Josh, talk about, you know, helping our listeners battle their anxieties. It's not something that I personally deal with, right? You guys just testified. You're like, yeah, you're, yeah. you're going all the time. I'm living in the moment. My wife calls it, you know, I'm living by the seat of my pants. But actually underneath that is because I have all those scenarios usually planned out already. So whatever comes in, I've already dealt with it before. I'm not scared of it. And even when the pandemic hit, there was like four days that my phone kind of didn't ring. And I worked up at the, uh, I was working on the cabin and my wife's like, well, did your phone ring a lot? And I'm like, no, barely, barely rung. And she's like, oh, that sounds like a great experience for my friend Bryson to mm-hmm. be up there and not have my phone ring all the time. <laughs> and, but then after that, boom, the light switched. Uh, everyone, we all decided, hey, we're all going to go back to work. Okay, great. Boom. Let's make something happen. And I've been incredibly busy ever since. Incredibly busy. <laughs> and so, and I think too, I lis- listening to people, they're like, they know that they can, you know, I get text messages, phone calls from 730 in the morning till probably 930, 1030 at night. And I got a phone call today and a friend was like, hey, this is the different scenarios. Like they're not just thinking about where they want to live, but they want to say, you know, the lifestyle. We'll talk about Jen's kids and what she's doing on health wise. This parent called the same thing. He's like, I want to have my kids off electronics a little bit more. I want them to be, you know, more active. Well, how do we do that in this pandemic and social distancing? I'm doing using air quotes for those that are listening. Social distancing for our kids. That's another crazy part about this quarantine is, mm-hmm. you know, do we start having them do laps in the house? Do we start having them do high fitness? Like for well, two hours miss, a day, they miss their friends. They haven't seen their friends in months, and it's like they video chat all the time, but they're missing that physical connection part, and it's and, and I, it's kind of hard. I talked to some teachers, and I said, "Well, what are you guys going to do if you have to do online teaching?" And it's funny listening to other parents, and now even t- teachers who struggle with it. Like my own son is he's a one-on-one person. Like he wants to have that, he loves Josh Silito. Like Josh Silito has cemented his statue in my youngest son's <laughs> mind, right? When he comes over, I mean, he just lights up. And why? Because Josh understands him on a one-on-one basis. My, most, my, most people just assume that my kids are like me. Oh, roll it on Taraj. <laughs> no, that's just dad. Most of my kids, prefer that one-on-one mm-hmm. attention and they, that's what they prefer from dad too a they don't like to share dad and they want to have dad time when it's all them right and so take that online though they like i remember colin's teacher doing a zoom meeting and of course you have the a personalities with the booyas going booyah this is great and then my son is like okay not a peep right mm-hmm. But one-on-one with his peers, he's phenomenal. And people are like, I want to be Colin's friend. But on a Zoom meeting, barely even know he's there. And he's not the only one. I'm hearing that from a lot of parents. And so how do... Because they feel like they're getting drowned out. Oh, yeah. They don't don't know how to adapt to that. So as parents, as as a parent, what are we going to do? I'm just nervous. Like, are we ruining them for the future, like, with this pandemic? Like... Well, if this pandemic is the future, we're actually preparing them. 
I, yeah, the future I, is uncertain. Hard. It is. It's very <laughs> uncertain. And it's like, it's just hard. Like, you don't know how to set them up. Like, I have a child going into high school. This is not a good high school experience so far. Like, yeah, right. You know, I don't even know if he's going to go to school. It's very, like, scary to, and I don't, you know, I don't put the fear in my kids. I'm just like, oh, we'll see what happens and try to be optimistic about it. But inside, I'm like freaking out a little bit because, like, we both work and, you know, I don't want the kids just home chilling, doing a free-for-all. Like, I want well, them to be learning. They do you need worry their education. about, yeah, do you worry about their, so do you worry about, as a parent, having to be kind of the co-teacher for all of your, your kids' teachers? Yes. Oh, my kids are in trouble. I don't know how to do common core <laughs> math. So trouble. That's crazy. That, <laughs> right? That math is like, I, I have no idea how to do that. So it's like, either they're going to learn it the way I know how to do math, or... Their teacher's really going to have to make sure they know it because I don't know how to help them with that. Josh, are you hearing a lot of that from 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 uh, the public and from parents that, you know, like, hey, now the veil, like, the veil's drawn back. Mm-hmm. Okay, does mom and dad really remember what they learned? <laughs> but I know a lot of parents are, are freaking out. They're like, it was rough in the last, the last semester of school. And... You know, I know in our household, you know, we're trying to accommodate, I think, eight teachers in the way that the style that they teach and what they want to teach. And so to kind of be a TA for eight teachers to three students is is overwhelming. Adam's wife, I mean, uh, Adam's yeah, Adam's wife, you know, but they probably, she probably co-teaching for like 20 teachers. Oh, dude, it, it was crazy in our house. We have six kids in school. Six different computers, six different Zooms. So on top of it, I wasn't just failing as like an educator and a parent. I was failing as an IT tech. I mean, I, I couldn't keep all the computers online it's enough. So true. I mean, it, it was absolutely crazy. We moved the furniture around and put one big table in our main living room slash dining room. We had whiteboards everywhere and we had calendars going and who needs to be on what Zoom and on what time and... And then now we're going to face this again. I won't lie. My wife and I, and my wife is a stay-at-home mom. Dude, this is going to be a daunting task. And her excitement of the little one actually going to preschool this year, dude, the thought of being alone for like four or five hours a day, (laughs) dude, she was getting drunk off that thought. And now, yeah, right? So it's, it's, it's definitely going to be a struggle. But like what you said, Josh, you know, living in the moment, I think it's important for us as parents not to downplay the situation because it wasn't our situation. My favorite holiday when I was a kid was Halloween. My favorite. We would run the neighborhood and trick-or-treat and do all that. Today, I'm sorry if my kids are listening, but I hate Halloween today. Trunk or treat? That's the dumbest thing in the world to me. <laughs> to me. To me. But the hard thing is, That's their reality. It wasn't my reality. My reality when I was a kid was my parents giving me a pillow sack and say, be home in a few hours, and we run wild. And it was absolutely freedom. It was freedom. And, And, of course, we celebrated the true Nevada Day. We had the day off of school. So it was just this magical time as a child. But today my kids don't experience what I experienced. So then I downplay their experience and that's I think that's very dangerous as parents your son going into high school 
my daughter graduated last year. That wasn't the graduation that I remember. I loved my high school graduation. It was this rite of passage, but my daughter didn't experience that. So I had to make it special just for her, even though that I felt so bad for her, but she didn't feel bad for herself. Your son going into high school, your high school experience is going to be different than his. Yeah, for sure. But to uplift him and to make his experience, his reality the best possible thing, I think it's very important for parents to do that and not let our kids hear like, oh man, this sucks, man. When I was in high school, it was so much better. Yeah. We, we can't let our kids hear that because then they're going to look at their reality in a way that, dude, this sucks for me. And it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't make the best of it. Even if it's two, only two days a week, let their high school experience be special for them. And, and, that's, and it's going to be a struggle. It's a struggle for me and, and my wife, but I think it's a really important thing. What do you think, Josh? It's, it's amazing how much expectations affect the way that we feel and we act. So if we have certain expectations and they're not met, then maybe there's a sense of loss, right? But I think some of this idea of like living in the moment is um, being able to be flexible in what happens in life and the way that we perceive life. So we can see life in mainly two ways if you want to break it down right down the middle. We can think of things, and this is something that Benjamin Hardy um, talks about who's written a few books. He He says, we can view things as happening to us or happening for us. Yeah, I've heard that. And each one has its own emotional attributions and consequences to viewing the world that way. If you view the world as things are happening to us or against us, then we have certain defense mechanisms that show up and we have a lot of accusatory emotions and, and behaviors that are reactionary. If we view the world as things are happening for us, we see things as an opportunity, an opportunity for growth. And there's a sense of hope that things, when we come out of this, that we can have some sort of joy or happiness or something that we can hold that is more meaningful than what we had before. We can be transformed in some way. So if you think about it in this situation with families, because I'm, I'm most concerned with families. How is this impacting the family? I've heard many things of where this has actually helped their family grow closer to each other. When was the last time that they actually had a board game? Well, now they play a board game once a night. Yeah. yeah. You had kind of mentioned yeah. that, Eric, right, yeah. about how having, having these board games or having these conversations that you haven't had before with your kids or them sharing things with you that sharing fears about this pandemic. When was the last time that your kids shared something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So things can happen to us and we can feel that sense of loss and that's human. But we can also see things as happening for us and seeing an opportunity in it, something that we can learn and grow from. So are the masks happening to us in a negative way or do you think it's happening to us in a positive way? Very good question. I think that this is getting all of us to appreciate human connection even more and freedom even more. Sometimes we don't realize what we have until we have it taken away. And if that's what it does for us, if it does benefit us 
in some physical way from this virus, then that's great. But I think on a deeper psychological level, it's helping us to realize how much we need each other and how much we want to see each other's faces. We don't want to just see people as objects. We want to see people as, as people that have personalities and that you can interact with. And that's a huge distinction too that is very powerful in this climate too of debate is what's happening is people are starting to use ad hominem attacks than actually discussing what would be best for us as a people or a nation. What we do is we end up labeling huge groups of people and seeing them as objects rather than as a person. And in doing so, there's self-deception that takes place. We lie to ourselves when we interact with someone in that way because that's not who they are. But when we label and then we dismiss or, or see them as the enemy, then we've self-deceived. But what happens is, is when we self-deceive, that invites the other person to view us the same way. And it's a vicious cycle. Sorry, I'm kind of going on this tangent, but no, I feel no, like it's, it's very important in this climate of us discussing what would be best so, so for how, us. How do we counter that? Because I know personally, if my wife was here, she would testify. Uh, if, if I'm not around people, man, I get depressed. I personally get depressed. And so, you know, and I know that I'm not the majority of people. And so luckily I have a job where I interact with people every day for multiple hours a day. And it's normal for me. It's normal for me to have a conversation with you and Jen and Adam. I can hold three conversations going at the same time and just be perfectly fine, content. And remember those four, four days, man, that was a rough go when it was like really locked down, quarantine, don't leave the house. But on the flip side, like you said, you know, so we started different mannerisms. You know, we started, okay, we're walking together as a family. We're riding bikes together as a family. And it isn't that we weren't riding bikes or playing games, but it was maybe like one off, like once a week. Now we're doing it on a regular basis. And now we're doing it as a family all the time. Mm -hmm. and, and for those things, those are, are great. But yeah, you know, how do you, so how do we overcome the mask, I guess is a, is a great question. Because I think that's what stifles a lot of people. For a lot of people, they're like, I don't even wanna bother getting out of the car, right? If a business doesn't have a drive-through, do I really want to get out, put on a mask, go in? And I've seen drive-throughs a mile long. They're like, man, right. oh my goodness, let right? me tell you. Thank goodness for Uber Eats, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. So Josh, what do we do? Well, I, th I think one thing that I'm trying to work more on is, is well, let me put it this way, a little metaphor. Imagine that the world is covered in thorns, okay, the whole world. There's this, gen this gentleman that he wants to travel across the world, but it's all covered in thorns. And he, he starts to clear it, you know, he, he starts cutting down the thorns, he creates a path. But as he's creating this path, thorns start to come, come back, like it grows very quickly. And so this beautiful, pristine path is now once again covered in thorns. So he spends his whole life trying to do that. He has a buddy that ends up walking up to him and he asks him, why haven't you put on sandals? I think, I think sometimes in life, 
we end up spending too much energy and focus on trying to create this perfect path for ourselves and maybe for other people when sometimes we just need to put on sandals. And yes, maybe it's not the most comfortable thing, but we can, we can do it, right? We can make it happen. Now, when it comes to something on the political side of, do you feel like, like the states or the government has a right to force people? That's a different issue. That's something that you can debate and that's something that you can, whatever you decide on doing with that, you can be active in that situation. But I'm saying in life, sometimes we spend so much energy fighting the thorns when we could just simply walk over them. It's not, sandals and thorns aren't the most comfortable, but you can get to wherever you need to go. I've been You can make it happen. That's why we bring Josh on. I know, I love it. No, that's wonderful. Jen, what are you guys doing in your own family to, or what have you found since this pandemic that you guys have maybe have come a little bit closer together or some changes in your own household? So life hasn't changed for my husband. Like during the pandemic, when we were quarantined, he was going to work every single day doing the same thing. He wasn't home like the rest of us. So he doesn't, he didn't really experience it. Like me and the kids experienced it. Um, there was days where I was going crazy and I would just break down and cry. Like I needed some like interaction with someone other than my children. Mm -hmm. Um, like I missed coming to work even for a couple hours a day. Like, I needed to be social. I'm I'm kind of a homebody, oh, yeah. but I do like to get out as well. But um, being like being forced to stay home it was a little hard for me. When yeah. I'm forced to do things, I I fight it a little bit. I don't mean to, but it's just like I don't want to be forced. You I'll, know, I'll speak for Adam. He thought quarantine <laughs> was the best thing ever. He said, "Well, I'm at work as long as I don't leave the state, and I'm having a blast." We're out here playing water balloons. We're doing, uh, you know, water balloon baseball today. Hey, I did have some wow. fun with my kids. We like, we had little activities <laughs> that every day, great. and it was fun. Yeah, but you know, they're out of school for six months now. Like, we need to get back. <laughs> no, no, and there's that balance in life that that, that we all kind of, you know, go for. It, it. We had a lot of crazy moments. I mean, I felt like. I felt like I was running like a roadside diner. I felt like I was cooking mediocre food for ungrateful guests, and then I would clean up and do it all over again. And that's what we did every single day. And and but and they eat more when they're home. Oh, yeah. They eat more. It's like, what? You weren't eating this much when you were at school. What's going on? So we found that silver lining. You know, we worked through it, and, and it was nice. I mean, I was able to stay home for uh, a while, and that was unusual for me. I'm, I'm, I'm in a field that I don't, I don't get paid vacation. If I don't, if I take time off, I don't get paid. So, I mean, that's kind of usually union contracts or construction type contracts. That's how it works, which is totally fine. I've done that my entire life. So to be able to still, uh, the company decided to still continue to pay us and then stay home, dude, that was wild. I, I, I got a little taste of retirement. <laughs> and I'll tell you right now, like, I'll take it. no, no, I was excited to get back to work. <laughs> work is what makes me. I mean, I, 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 I like my work. I, I, you know, but at the same time I jumped all into with, and Eric knows we jumped into this podcast. We just started, I started sending out emails. 
I was taking online training courses. I was learning how to be better at Instagram and everything else, how to edit better, how to do all this stuff. So I just jumped a hundred percent into this. So while my kids were learning, I was trying to learn also, you know? Uh, so, it, you know, we took advantage of that kind of stuff. So that's what we did in our house, but it was, but at the same time, you know, after a while, it was nice to spend time and to hit that pause button because we lived an extremely busy life. We used to have this calendar. It's not so full anymore. But my wife made this whiteboard calendar. And I call it the machine. We live and die by this machine. And everyone schedules on there from dentist appointments to sporting events to church events to school to everything that we have. My work schedule, my wife's schedule, everything that we have going on. So for a house of nine people, you can imagine before the pandemic, this thing was packed full. We never had a day that didn't have something going on. And it was this machine, and we had to keep the machine running to make everything balanced in our house. And then all of a sudden, March down. 15th comes, and we just erase the whole board, and it was empty. And I won't lie, that first few weeks, we were able to breathe, and it was nice. And that was the blessing of the pandemic in our household is we were able to hit a pause button that we've never been able to hit or we were too scared to hit because we had to keep up with it from the all of the events. And it was very nice to just hit pause. But then after a little while, just like you, Jen, we craved that social interaction. Yep. We couldn't, we wanted to get out. We wanted to do stuff. We wanted... We all of a sudden, we would drive by a ball field and we were missing the ball field and we were missing the games and missing the, the community of all the events that we were a part of. And it really started to kind of wear on us a little bit, if hey, you know what I mean. And Adam, yeah. I want to ask you another question and, and, and Josh, maybe you could chime in afterwards. So right before the pandemic, Adam took a cruise with his family and he went down to Florida, had this great time. And now you're talking about longing for the ball field. Mm -hmm. I wonder now, and we talk about our experiences as kids. What he failed to mention was when he said, hey, we used to run the neighborhood. He was talking about obviously bag snatching. And no way. I never did that. And yes, <laughs> never yes, that's what he's that. talking about. <laughs> no way. Is we would steal pumpkins at night. I got a mean story about that, but we, I, I never kids, steal a kid's bag. <laughs> Maybe yours, Eric. <laughs> if I see a little redheaded kid running down, let's get it. <laughs> nah, just joking. Uh, is, so we talk about, hey, this is what high school was for us. We talk about this is what middle school was for us. And now, like right here in the present, your kids, and in fact, my kids, have an experience of going on a cruise and doing all those activities pre-corona. Mm-hmm. And now we're in this post-corona experience of life. Have your kids talked about like that memory of like, dude, that was phenomenal. And now, you know, it's never going to be like that ever again. Yeah, they did. You know, they do talk about it. And it, it, it was a, a fantastic time. It was it was a little stressful for Shelly and I to take all the kids through airports and everything else. But at the end of the day, when when we sit back and hear the stories from our kids' point of view, man, it was worth every penny. It was worth the headache. It was worth everything. I could have taken that money because it was, it was, it was a pretty penny. 
I could have taken that money and bought a newer car. I could have done so many other things, but all those other things were these material items. The, the memory of family time like that was, was worth every penny. And I, you know, it, it, it was very important to spend that time together. And, and we didn't know what was coming up. So we, once again, we looking at the machine, we wanted to hit that pause. So that's why we planned a vacation. You know, we want to just be a family and just have and not go to any of those things. And so we were trying to pause our life during that one week, not knowing another week later, we would be hitting that pause again for a long period of time. So that's why we did that vacation was to literally take a break from all of our crazy activities. But yeah, no, they absolutely loved it. So Josh, I know a lot of times we talk about focusing, how often would you use like Adam's experience? Like, hey, yeah, you're longing for the ball field, but let's think about this positive experience. How can people use those positive memories to help get them through this this time? Very good question. I Oftentimes in life, actually, we go on autopilot and we're surviving each day and and we do the same things every day, and we don't even really know why we do it, other than we sh- we need to do this, we should do this. And Ralph Waldo Emerson gave a quote that I thought was pretty p- profound, which is that um, things are in the saddle and ride mankind. And I know it's kind of phrased uniquely, but but too often do we give our choice and our agency of what's most important in our lives over to things and just the way that things have been. And so taking those pauses and sometimes these crises in our lives actually become the very thing that we need to be more in tune to ourselves, to others, to the things that matter most. And so those experiences are an investment in your family's life, in each individual one of your kids. And that's something that they will cherish and remember the rest of their lives. They're not going to remember the day-to-day mundane things that happen all the time. And, and so then that gets us to reflect, especially during this pandemic, of what is actually most important. Um, truth and values are actually a hierarchy. And, and this is getting us to crystallize what actually is most important. When you get down to the school thing, um, why is it that we actually want our kids to go to school? want me like, to answer that to get a good education <laughs> so get them out of the house get them out of the house right <laughs> get them out so of the house. so then the question is like are we looking for a babysitter right is that the reason why we want them to go to school are there other things that are important as well to school mm-hmm. and ultimately social I think, interaction i think a lot of people mm-hmm. would say hey they need to have friends i want them to associate and connect with people i want them to have good teachers good mentors Hey, I want them to be able to, to learn and grow and be curious about the world and, and be able to be responsible as they grow older. Then you can start to ask yourself the question, well, how do we adapt those things? Things have totally shifted, but maybe we can get some of those same things just in a new way. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what the pandemic taught me is learn how to adapt because I was like on autopilot all the time. Like I do the same thing every single day. Like, you know exactly where I'm at. I am at this time every single day. And then when all of it was taken away from me, I was like, 
oh my gosh, I have to figure something else out. Like I need to, to adapt to the situation. I'm not going to just be like a couch potato. And that was, that was hard. That was really hard to learn how to adapt. And I feel like I could be better now than I was before and be in adapting. Um, but that was, that was a really big struggle for somebody that's like same thing every single day, very routine. And then it was all taken away like in a day. I was like, Whoa, what do I do now? Yeah. Who, like what, what do I do? Like, who am I? What is going on here? Like, what do I want to do? What do I need to do? Yeah. What's my purpose this day? Like, Oh yeah. There was days where I was like, I have no purpose. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. Like I really did not know. It was hard. And that's something that Victor Frankl, who's a Jewish psychiatrist, he went through the Nazi concentration camps. Um, profound story. His book is called Man's Search for Meaning. But one of the things he talks about is something called an existential vacuum, which is this idea that we might get stuck in this sense of meaninglessness in our lives. So even if we might be doing something good, we aren't totally invested in it because we feel like we have to do whatever it is that we're doing. Like we're, we're kind of being oppressed and, and that's just, we're robots. And, and so part of that getting out of this existential vacuum is actually reinvesting in, in the things that matter most. And you can do that in your work, right? You can, you can do that in, in growing in learning something new, being curious, you can do that with relationships, developing further, deeper love and connection and, and deeper uh, humility and experiences with your family. Um, you can do that with being appreciative of your senses, you know, gratitude and, and being able to appreciate nature and the outdoors and life. And these are all ways that people find meaning. But when we get in that autopilot, it, uh, it, I'm, it takes you. It takes it all away. You know, it's yeah. meaningless. We we just are surviving, not thriving. So th- there's your silver lining. I mean, uh, from this pandemic, we can really, you know, reanalyze ourselves and and dig ourselves out of that autopilot stage. But what scares me is that there's probably a lot of people out there that may not do that. You know, I I, I think this is really going to put people in different categories. You know, you're going to have people that probably have taken advantage of this pandemic or people who have really worked hard. And it's like, you know what? It's not going to fail me. I'm going to readapt. I'm going to focus and build something great out of this, you know, and and something good can definitely come from it all. Well, and it destroyed a lot of people, too. Yeah. Their businesses that they built up and were at the top of their game now are gone. Some people had to close businesses down and it's it's sad. It is. It's really sad. But it's it's also not the end. We can definitely build it true. up. True, very true. Well, anyways, Josh, thank you so much for coming back in, man. This has been a fantastic conversation on on things that are happening, and I think the things that you said are extremely helpful. And we want to thank Jen, Jen Mitchell, for coming in. Her Thanks. perspective and being a mom and a family, uh, you know, uh, definitely helped out in this conversation. So we we really appreciate it and. Josh, real quick, if if our listeners want to reach out to you, what's the easiest way for them to either make an appointment or maybe message you? Uh, is there 
is there a website or is there a, do you do online chat? What type of telehealth are you doing right now? If they don't feel like they can make it in to see you or if they're out of state, what's the easiest way they can connect with you? Yeah, I do, uh, do tell a lot of my sessions are telehealth sessions. I use doxy.me and, um, I would kind of explain it and talk to, it's just, it's a we'll put a link we'll put a yeah, link yeah yeah bio, it's so. a <laughs> HIPAA, oh, yeah, HIPAA compliant skype if you want to call it that okay. or zoom and uh at gmail.com you can email me um we'll put that also oh, on oh yeah because good luck trying to spell my last name and uh silly toe wait a minute silly toe did yeah. i misspell it no I no you're, oh, okay, you're good. good i'm just saying kind of in general <laughs> i i i feel like it wouldn't surprise me my my spelling game can be off sometimes. Are, what about on <laughs> Thank social you, media? Or do you have a do you have a social media page maybe on Facebook or LinkedIn? I I actually don't, but if you want to go to silitotherapy.com, um, I have a website there and I am actually kind of revamping it so it's going to it's going to look nicer and be more appealing. Nice. Um, so people feel more calm and tranquil as they go to my website. Well, <laughs> that's, wonderful. That's the goal. Well, and you could take these episodes you've been on and put them on your website if you like, and people can come in and tune into the show. Get a little taste. of, yeah. And you could just put your episodes that you've been on on there or whatever. But anyways, we'll cool. definitely put that link in. If there's any more, let me know, and I'll – so people could contact you. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Thanks and, for taking the time, Josh. We appreciate it. And our listeners appreciate it because they've, they've reached out to me personally and said, we really enjoy having Josh on the show. And I feel like every time I'm learning something new, like your, your, your experience and your knowledge is helping me grow as a person and helping to understand others. It's like a free session. <laughs> free sessions all around. It's right? really counseling for you, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> But we also want to say thank you to all our listeners that support the podcast and to uh, please always hit that subscribe, tell a friend about the show. If you got something from this, we hope you apply it in your own life and uh, are being safe out there. And, you know, we love our listeners and we are grateful for everything that you guys do to support us. And that support comes from leaving a, uh, a comment or uh, just sending us an email and telling us how we do. We do get emails from people and we definitely appreciate them and their feedback and stuff like that. So thank you very much for uh, listening to the show. And thanks, Jen and Josh again. Oh, yeah. <laughs>